Hello and welcome to Perhaps It's You, an unofficial fan rewatch podcast of the classic television series Unsolved Mysteries. If you're following along at home, we are on Season 1, Episode 4 of the Amazon Prime original Robert Stack episodes. I'm Samantha and I'm here with my co-host Liz. How's it going, How's it going Liz? Hello, Samantha. Also here today is my dog, Lenny Briscoe. So Lenny. if you hear any howls or uh, whimpers, that's not Samantha. <laughs> This that's, actually, that's an actual dog. That's an actual that's dog. Sitting that, under our table right now. He was actually out here in our last episode, too, and he, he was, was quiet. Good, so we'll yeah. see. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Do you have any updates for our listeners? I do have some updates. First of all, I would like to congratulate listeners Stephanie and Wes on their marriage. Oh, Congratulations. yeah. You were at their wedding reception last night. I was at night. their wedding reception last night. It was very lovely. And several people, the first thing they said to me was, love the podcast, which is hilarious. (laughs) It was a great day for a wedding yesterday. It's hot as fuck in Minnesota right now, which is extremely strange for this time of the year. The first day of fall, it was in the 90s. Yeah, it was, and humid. It was was really gross out. Not that I'm complaining, so it's going to be snowing soon, but. Yeah, we'll enter uh, endless winter, (laughs) but. Yeah, no, so congratulations to them, and thanks for listening, and, uh. You guys are great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes. Thanks for everyone. Our five listeners, thank you so much. All of Australia. We're super popular in Australia. So <laughs> We're big in Australia. Thanks to everyone who has reviewed us on iTunes. We love reading the iTunes reviews. We only have good ones so far, which is the benefit of being small, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> get it right, right. We're... If anybody would like to give us an, another review that doesn't call us MILFs, I will. <laughs> You're way off. Uh, we don't have any children. We are yeah. mega babes. That part's true. That's true. That's hundred percent true. We're not mothers, so <laughs> your review is slightly inaccurate. But it was five stars, so, so I don't really yeah, give a shit I, okay. what anyone says <laughs> in their five star review. I agree. You could say I fucking hate this podcast, but as long as it's five stars, <laughs> I don't really care. Actually, I sometimes see that on Amazon where I think people don't understand how stars work. Like, <laughs> you know, like first place is best. So they'll be like one star. I loved everything about this book. And you're like, that's, mm, not, how it works. that's not how it works. So if you want to say five stars, this is the worst podcast I've ever heard in my life. Go right ahead. You will take it. Yeah, I'll take it. So okay. Cool. I do have an update. The Carlucci case. Oh, con one. Con one. The heart attack case. <laughs> So in the last episode, I may have threatened everyone's grandmas saying that <laughs> you might be out there, you might be out swindling there, some lurking, old ladies. Yeah, trying to romance your grandma out of her, I don't know, retirement savings. And that's not true. You don't have to worry. He's dead. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we can all rest easy now. I, I tried to find out some more information about him. There's not a ton. It seems like he was in and out of prison. No, no not big surprising. surprise there. Uh, he ended up losing a leg to diabetes and died in 2005. Oh, okay. And is buried in Florida. All right. I found a very depressing thread. So Carlucci is suspected to have fathered at least 30 children. Yeah. Because that's the part they actually kind of left out in Unsolved Mysteries was part of his MO was that he would impregnate his victim before leaving. Yeah. Which is gross. He couldn't be a bigger dirtbag, really. Um, so I found this thread of people who were his ch- are, are his children oh. trying to oh connect gosh. with each other and like share photos and what like tiny bits of family history they knew. I don't know if that's legit at all because it's the internet and everybody also claims to have found treasure. I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, what a bastard. Carlucci. God, yeah. Well, I'm happy that his children are reconnecting. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that brings them some peace. Yeah, and some happiness. Yeah. Finding their siblings. Man. They can go to Florida and spit on his grave together. Yeah. That's what I, I would bet recommend. they will. <laughs> that's what I would recommend. So that's my update. I have an update about that case, too, actually. Oh. I think I know what a friendship club is. Do tell. Are so, we in a friendship club right now? No, I don't think so. Because oh. I think it's another name for a Lonely Hearts Club. Oh, And yeah. this is how I came to that. So first of all, for listeners who are even younger than us, a Lonely Hearts Club, like predated internet dating sites where sure. you would fill out a questionnaire and send it into a company and they would either like hook you up with a pen pal who could be a potential love interest or I think sometimes maybe you got their phone number. I think it varied. Um, coincidentally enough, it started out as a scam. Oh. I learned this from talking to Travis. Apparently, it was like the original Nigerian prince scam where like you would send in a thing to a company and they would write fake love letters to you. But apparently it got so sad. I actually think there might be an unsolved mysteries about something like that. I hope so. Because now I want to know more. Yeah. But then it took off and actual lonely hearts clubs that were legit. Make money legitimately. That's weird. But I discovered this because I was watching another episode of unsolved mysteries with Travis. I think it was an episode late in season two or perhaps early in season three. Another marriage swindler, and he picked up his victims through Lonely Hearts Club. So that was like, I I heard that and I was like, I wonder what if that's like a friendship club. And then when I was posting that news clip to Instagram of Con Juan, sure. If you actually look closely and read the words in that, it's really funny. Oh, they say some really funny things about him. But one of the things they also say is that he used Lonely Hearts clubs to pick up some of his victims. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if that's a legit thing. Like if friendship clubs were actually a type of Lonely Hearts clubs, or if for some reason Unsolved Mysteries thought it was less scandalous to say friendship club. Because if you Google friendship club today, you just get like children's clubs at schools for kids (laughs) kids who are like making. It's very innocent and could not be farther from a lonely hearts club. So it was the Tinder of its time, perhaps. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah. So that was an update I had. Um. Fuck you, Conwan. Yeah. That's our basically final update. Oh, I have one more thing to say. I want to acknowledge the fact that after laughing at ourselves for mixing up the words prison and jail oh, in our last episode, we yeah, we went it. on to mix up the words prison and jail maybe like 20 it, times in that maybe episode. Maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe I don't it, think it does. No one complained about it, but I noticed it. I was like, oh my God, really? Let's just say from now on, we don't know the difference. And we're going to say whichever one yeah, comes out of our I'm mouth. sorry. But I just thought that was funny. If that bothers you, I don't. This isn't the podcast for you. I don't I guess. think it bothers anyone except us. Except maybe us, maybe me on a bad but day. Maybe not even that much because we couldn't we still be bothered it. to get it straight. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to mention the super awesome giveaway we're gonna do? Yes, I do. So perhaps I made an extremely lame meme for <laughs> our Facebook page. Where I made, it's like a fake newspaper with our logo, and the headline is Shockingly Good Podcast. <laughs> because this is the, these are the things we find funny. Yeah. So we post shit like this on our social media, which, yeah. by the way, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Perhaps It's You, Y O U. If you want to see these lovely, lovely memes that we're Liz just creates. lonely, so please, please follow us. We don't have much of a life outside no. of this podcast, mm, this so is a, this yeah. is everything to us. We right sit now. at home and make these. 
I thought the idea of a newspaper saying that this was a shockingly good pot to me, I don't know, that's just hilarious. Obviously, because it's kind of a lame joke, my dad thought it was hilarious. Oh, this is a dad type of joke. It's a dad type of, if you think about it, it's a dad type of joke. So my dad surprised us by ordering some magnets that (laughs) from Shutterfly with this picture (laughs) picture on it. So we're going to give Which away. Which is the most dad thing I've ever I heard really, in my life. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, dad. Thank you, Liz's dad. Yes. But he ordered us 10 of them. So we're going to do a giveaway because yeah. Samantha and I don't need 10 magnets. No, we're going to keep some for ourselves and we're going to give some as gifts to people who have helped us with this podcast. But the rest we're going to give away to you fine listeners. And we have enough for all of you because we have six. Oh, there you so, go. So well, we might even have an extra. <laughs> Perfect. Five listeners. Today is your lucky day. <laughs> We're going to do a giveaway on Facebook and also on Instagram. Yep, two giveaways, actually. Two giveaways. Should we just do that the day this podcast is out? Yeah, here's what we're going to do. We post on Facebook and Instagram when we launch our new episode, which is on Wednesdays. We'll usually have a link to the episode or a picture of it. The way to win is to go on Facebook and share that post. That will get you one entry. If you also comment on that post with your favorite mystery, you get a second entry. Because you really want one of these magnets. Yeah, so you have two chances of winning. Actually, you get three chances of winning, because if you're also on Instagram and you go to our Instagram post announcing this episode and comment tagging two friends who might like this podcast or be interested in it, then you also get entered to win. And we'll give it like a week, maybe, and... Yeah. Maybe we'll announce the winners. I don't really know how we're going to do this. We'll probably send you like a private message or something if you win. Yeah. Get so your, that's how you do it. And get your deets. We'll have the instructions in the posts as well. So don't I feel like you have to remember. I am very excited about this first giveaway. Yeah, we'll post a picture. Of um, our beautiful magnets. Yeah, so you know what, you, what to expect. They're pretty awesome. They're really big. They're very large. They're way bigger than I expected so them to be. you will be able to really hang up that children's artwork, yeah, this that shopping list. list. I just realized... This is our first merch. It is. Wow. We have made it. We. In the podcasting world. No wonder we're number one on iTunes. Oh my God. So yeah, enter to win. Share this podcast with people who you think might like it or might enjoy it. We really appreciate it. And we're going to give something back to you. A little, a little dad joke magnet gift. The Jack, the dad joke magnet giveaway from two hot milfs. <laughs> Words I never thought I would utter (laughs) on a podcast. Who wouldn't given away by mega babes? Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah, so there you go. (laughs) That's our most important and exciting update. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be fun. Should we get into episode four? Let's do it. So we're doing this one a little bit differently because there's only three mysteries. Typically, kind of disappointing. Yeah, typically we split them up evenly. So what we did this time is since I went first last time, Liz is going first this time, and she has the longest segment, and then I took the other two. So... A little bit different, but kind of the same. It's a slightly disappointing episode because there's only three mysteries. Yeah. And the longer segment is about Queen Mary, the, the ghost the ship. The ghost ship. Which, uh, I mean, I do like ghost stories, but I don't know. The, this isn't the greatest one, or maybe no. this wasn't told in the best way. I, well, there also wasn't any hard evidence, really, so... Well, no. Also, when I think of ghost ship... I'm picturing something like from Scooby-Doo where you would look out <laughs> into the water and you would see a ship, but it was like, really like the ghost of a ship. No. Like Davy Jones's yes. ghost ship rolling over the horizon yes. surrounded by fog. This is not that cool. No, this is less than cool. Although I think if you went there, it would be super cool. I'd like to take a tour. But Yeah, I mean, I think Samantha and I have talked about, even prior to this podcast, how we needed to do we need to do a road trip to Duluth. 
to go see yeah. the Galenshin murder Duluth, Minnesota mansion. has a murder mansion. Obviously, that's just how we would want to spend our time. And we've talked about other sort of spooky or true crime related places. We could go maybe one day. We'll yeah. go out to Long Beach and we'll visit Queen Mary. That would the be ghost cool. ship. I found this segment slightly confusing because it jumps around in time. Yeah. Like it starts with a couple ghost sightings, then it sort of goes back into the history of the boat, then in people telling their ghost stories, it has more history to explain what the ghost might have been. So I did a little bit of background research because I was not really clear exactly on the timeline. It was not clear because you couldn't really tell when people were recounting when, their ghost stories, if that was present time or a flashback. It was weird. Yeah, it's not the best produced segment, in my opinion. So the Queen Mary dates back to 1936. At the time, it was the largest ship. It was bigger than the Titanic that was built 20 years earlier. Wow. Wait, the Titanic was built 20 years earlier or the Queen Mary was? I think the Titanic is 20 years before the okay. Queen Mary. Okay. Someone write in, tell me how wrong I am. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read that in my research. Um, the most important thing is that it was bigger. It was bigger. It was the, cool. It was the biggest ship at the time. In Unsolved Mysteries, they play a little of this 30s like novelty song about how great it is to be sailing <laughs> on the Queen Mary, like to announce the arrival of this, at the time, very fancy express ocean liner that would take you from Southampton in the UK to New York. And it was one of two ships that was doing this route so that you could like, there was like a weekly express that seemed like very fast, right? <laughs> Probably to, was for To the get time. across the ocean. So that's the little bit of the background um, that it was originally an express ocean liner. What was confusing was that at some point it starts talking, it was like during the war. And I was like, what? what? Like, why? But it was before the war effort taken over during the Second World War and converted into a troop ship. So it was ferrying allied soldiers Okay. During that time. That makes sense. Because I, when I think of the Queen Mary, I think of it as a, like a warship. It was, it was essentially more like a cruise liner that got converted into a gotcha. military ship. And I'm then sure I it think at some point was converted back. So it was transporting troops. It was transporting prisoners of war. Um, and then it was retired from service in 1967. It wasn't really that fast anymore compared to other boats. I'm sure it needed repairs, blah, blah, blah. Somehow it ended up permanently in Long Beach. I couldn't figure out why hmm. Long Beach. But that's where it is. I don't know much about ports and yeah. boats. Like. It has a home port, I assume. This, our lack of knowledge on maritime. Yeah, sorry. We know nothing about this. Yeah. It's a, for some, also, it's a Scottish boat that was registered to Liverpool, England. That doesn't make sense to me either. And docked in Long Beach? But it ends up permanently in Long Beach. Huh. Okay. Okay. It is now a tourist attraction. It's a, it serves as a hotel. It has restaurants for a while. Oh, I, I had, didn't know it was a hotel. Yes, you could spend the night there, Samantha. All right, our do. vacation is planned out <laughs> People already. do and have all sorts of sighting stories. For a while, it was Jacques Cousteau's Ocean Museum or something like that <laughs> for 10 years. But they closed it down because it had poor t- ticket sales and, like, all the fish died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. that was Wait, it. they had fish on the boat? Yeah, they, they, they took out some of the lower levels of the boat, like, where the boiler was all that stuff's gone because it doesn't actually sail it just 
permanently sits okay. in a dock now. Makes sense. And so they took all that out and they put in like an aquarium oh. on the boat, which I guess was a terrible idea. And they it's, all died? And then all the fish oh, that's so sad. Died. So it may also be haunted by fish. Well, it probably is. <laughs> um, it's gone through ownership. It seems to be something that people keep thinking like, oh, this is going to be a great investment. I'm putting all my money in this super old falling apart boat. And then after a while, they're like, no, I am losing money. This is bad. Okay. So it keeps changing. Disney owned it for a while. Oh. And they were going to make this whole like dock resort sea experience. But then... That never happened. Apparently, also in Long Beach, there's like a geodesic dome that used to have Howard Hughes's spruce goose plane, the plane that he made out of wood that did not fly because he was insane. <laughs> I'm very fascinated by Howard Hughes. I hope at some point there's some unsolved mysteries about Howard Hughes. Oh, we can only I can dream. only hope. So I guess it used to be associated with that. It was like, come see this plane that didn't work in this super old ship. Okay. They're like near, they were near each other in Long Beach for a while. Sure, why not? But now that dome is used for roller derby. <laughs> and the spruce goose so got, many things. got moved to an aviation museum in Oregon or something. Anyway, the point is this boat is supposed to be super duper haunted. Right, which is how what we all associate with the Queen Mary is ghosts. Yes. And for the war, it got repainted gray. For whatever reason. And then people started calling it the Grey Ghost. Ooh. <laughs> also, a bunch it of people. It sounds pretty badass. A bunch of people have died on board. I think if you take a tour, there's actually like a plaque that tells you. This is so morbid. The people who died and the date that they died. Well, I wasn't saw, it in a wreck? Like it ran over another ship or something. Yes. Because that was in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. During Because I was like, why did. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand this part at all. What happened was, during the war, a smaller ship turned in front of the Queen Mary, and the Queen Mary, like, literally split it in half. It, like, sailed right into it, broke Yikes. the ship open, 300 people died. Yeah. Yikes. And the way it was explained, it was, like, because of wartime, they couldn't save those people, so they had to wait for another ship, and they could only save 100 of the 400 people. They couldn't just stop the Queen Mary and no, send over No, because some... of the war. Oh, I, that was how it was explained, and I was like, that's not an adequate explanation. Particularly those were soldiers? You're just going to let them die? Right. I don't know. If someone wants to explain that to me, I could not figure that out. And did someone on the Queen Mary also died in that well, wreck? Yes. Right? I'm well, trying to remember. several people have died on the Queen Mary. Let's see what it said. In the 30 years that I was at sea, 49 people died on board. Is that a lot? Okay. I have no idea. I don't. It may, I mean, sure. compared to how many people died in the in the wreck on the other ship, it doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, but the idea is that those people are also haunting the Queen Mary right, for course. killing them. It's considered one of the most haunted places in the world. Unsolved Mysteries talked to a couple people who had seen ghosts. What seems interesting about the Queen Mary hauntings is it's not like I saw a shadow. Uh, yeah, it was people like interacting with people and then they turn and they're gone. So one example was a waitress served this woman in 30s dress who wasn't wearing makeup and wasn't talking coffee. And then she turned around and she was gone. <gasps> and then this one time a woman was on an escalator and a man was standing like too close behind her wearing dirty overalls. And when she got to the top of the escalator, he wasn't there. Uh, there was a lot of, there's even more online if that's interesting to you there's a lot of people's like oh I saw a guy in like an all white 
captain's uniform, but then he turned into a dead end and was gone. And yeah, so it seems to be very specific, detailed ghost. Yeah, full, appearances, full body apparitions, full body apparitions, which is crazy to see those. Yeah, there's also some incidences at the pool with splashing and kids laughing and footsteps. I think. A a couple of people have drowned in the pool. They showed the pool on Unsolved Mysteries, which was supposed to be the first class pool. I, things were different back then. That, it things, looked like a bad YMCA. It is a dump. <laughs> it looked awful. I was like, that was a first class pool. But oh, I think luxury. It, I think at the time having a pool on board a boat was like a new that alone novel was, idea. Yeah. The boat had beauty parlors, it had daycare for your kids for all the different classes. It made a big deal about having a Jewish prayer room because they wanted to show that they were supporting the Allied forces during World War II and that they weren't Nazis, basically. Yeah. Um, so this was, a, once upon a time, the lap of luxury. Looking at Robert Stack standing by this gross, tiled pool <laughs> that supposedly has little kids. Ghosts of little kids. Splashing your legs. I do not want to stay there. But yeah. also, it hasn't been upkept. That's part right. of the reason it's a huge money pit. Because everything in it is kind of falling apart. Right. If Disney actually wanted to turn it into a luxury resort, they would have had to overhaul it. And yeah. It was cost I'm prohibitive. I'm sure it was, they were like, what were, you know, Dave was drunk when he signed that deal. <laughs> I don't know, like, who is going to want to stay on this rickety, at this point, sort of falling apart ocean liner. But the cool thing for them is if they want to market ghost tours, which they do, yes. it's perfect for that. Because sightings are so frequent, many psychics consider this the most haunted place that they've ever been. How legit did you think those psychics were in Unsolved Mysteries? Because what they did is Unsolved Mysteries (laughs) brought in a bunch of psychics and had them walk around and then like sit at a table and tell their... I don't know. They didn't yeah. they didn't determine anything. And the one guy was like, Well, the things they told us weren't anything that are mysterious. It's like right. it's well known that the front of the ship was destroyed in this collision. So when the psychic goes up there and is like, I I hear a loud banging in the front of the ship and it I, I feel bad vibes from this area. It's like, well, okay, everyone knows what happened, so it's not it's that it's an old noisy ship. Like I think Yeah. I got bad vibes kind of just looking at it on TV. <laughs> I don't know that that's really that special. The claim the psychics made that they didn't know anything about the boat. If they were actually working as psychics doing paranormal investigations, yeah. this is like a known haunted thing. That seems yeah, impossible. Well, and you get scheduled, you know, a month in advance or whatever. They just have to go down to the local library and so, look up the know, Queen Mary. Do you know anything about haunted ships, librarian? What occurred to me, it doesn't explain seeing like a captain or a full person as a ghost. What occurred to me that doesn't explain that is that the ship has been converted so many times that I bet the acoustics are really weird. I bet sound travels in ways that don't really make sense. And I think that probably explains a lot of the noises. noises. Right. (laughs) It just reminds me that I used to have this apartment in Chicago, where there was absolutely no insulation. We were on the first floor, and if someone was in the basement, it sounded like they were in your apartment. Like, Ugh. no, it was awful. Every so often, I would wake up convinced people had broken into my apartment, and really, it was people like working on the furnace in the basement. But it just sounded like they were right in the room with you because I, it was traveling up a pipe or who knows what. 
So that's kind of what it made me think of is that there's oh, a logical explanation. We hear this like laughing and then there's no one there. It's like, but this, you know, rooms have been ripped out and then I, I don't know. Yeah. That was kind of what I could totally explain it. But that does not explain why you serve a woman coffee and she's not there, except that that woman was probably just really overworked. (laughs) She was just really tired and having a hallucination. She was really tired and was like, I'm stuck on this boat and it's claustrophobic. And I'm kind of a believer in ghosts. I'm like on the fence about it. But yeah, I find people who have seen full body apparitions pretty believable. There was one guy in particular who didn't seem like a big believer in ghosts and none he had, of them did actually yeah and he had seen something and he's like and he even after seeing it he kind of wasn't a believer but he's like i can't explain what i saw yeah i actually they all seemed very credible none of them seemed like oh no they were making it up yeah they would have no reason to really i mean i don't know i guess maybe to be on the I, show i, I but... guess i would say i'm ag- an agnostic about ghosts <laughs> I don't believe in them, but I don't not believe in them. Sure. I I know that I don't know. It seems possible. I don't know. Yeah. Especially on something, you know, where where tragedies have happened, I tend to think that there's some sort of residual energy or something and how that manifests, I'm not really sure. I tend to not believe things, like you said, the, the noises. It could be anything. Yeah. I'm sure it's creepy on that boat. Oh, yeah. Well, and the other thing is your mind plays tricks on you, especially... At this point, people are going there expecting it to be haunted. Right. So any little thing is going to creep you out. Yeah. But lots of people believe in ghosts, and it's sort of an important part of cultures all over the world. I don't want to dismiss the possibility of ghosts. I just don't know that I... I don't know. Totally believe... Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same. Maybe I'll ch- maybe my mind will change. As maybe we... if you see a ghost. Well, that would definitely change my mind. <laughs> I was going to say, as we do this podcast oh, and sure. learn more, maybe I'll be I... converted into a true believer. I doubt it. Well, yeah. But... <laughs> I... <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. So the I would say the number one reason to watch this mystery, which clearly I'm kind of lackluster about, but there is a part of the boat... Someone's going to yell. It's a ship. What's the difference? I don't know. Ships are bigger. Um, One of the most haunted parts of the ship is called Shaft Alley. (laughs) Which meant that people over and over again were like, there's a lot of activity in Shaft Alley. Shaft Alley sounds like. It sounds so dirty. So, yeah. Uh, So that gave me a lot of giggles because I'm a really mature person. So Mm -hmm. if you want to laugh at a bunch of people very seriously saying the phrase. Shaft Alley. Shaft Alley. Then this is the mystery for you. Otherwise, yeah, I was not impressed with the psychics. I kind of thought they spent too much time on that. I wrote down that an expert said, these are questions I can't answer. And I was like, thanks, expert. That's really helpful. (laughs) At the end, Robert Stack is like, is the Queen Mary haunted? We can't say yes, but we can't say no. Which is how Robert Stack addresses these paranormal segments, usually. He just gave it a big shrug, basically. Kind of a wink, like, yeah, Yeah. maybe there's ghosts. Whatever. Gotta go cash that check now. Um, (laughs) I don't don't think I It's a cool... I mean, if I was in the area, I would go on a tour. I don't know that I would... you know, plan a trip out there specifically to see yeah. it. Unless maybe I was doing one other, like, go. you can pay a bunch of money to do a ghost investigation at places like this. I'm pretty sure the Queen Mary is one of them. Whoa. 
You could bring, yeah, bring like five friends and pay, I don't know how much, probably a thousand dollars, maybe more. Quite Some of these places I think like contract out that work. So there's like a, like a paranormal investigation company. You pay them and I'm sure the Queen Mary people, whoever owns it gets a cut and then they take you, like you get to use their equipment and do all the things that like, you know, ghost hunters sure. in that TV show. So you show. can pretend you're on ghost hunters. Right. You get to pretend you're on Samantha ghost hunters. Dream. I'm just saying. <laughs> Travis and I haven't picked out a honeymoon yet. Oh. I'm not saying this is top of the list. And Shaft Alley. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds perfect. Yeah. Do a ghost investigation. Maybe we'll hear some EVPs. I'm sure that's what Travis wants. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) He's not here, so I can say that he does. Yes, he would. I would be way more enthusiastic about going out there if the Spruce Goose was still there (laughs) in in a geodesic dome. That seems kind of amazing, but I guess we could go see some roller derby. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about the Queen Mary. It was kind of a blah segment. Yeah, and it was so long. It was it was like over half the episode. You're just like, really? We're still talking. We're still showing like ghostly old ladies jumping into pools and yeah. I yeah, I don't know. It was a little boring. I felt bad for the guy that died during a fire drill because the door oh, like the door wouldn't open. Automatically like closed on him and cut him in half. Yeah, that was brutal. Ugh. His so ghost is definitely still yeah, there. If, if someone is haunting anything, that guy is haunting that door. He's pissed. But All right. Well, should we do the next two? I kind of feel like I should have sung the Queen Mary song, but. <laughs> I'll it might be copyrighted. We don't want to get in no, trouble. No, I'll spare everyone. Trust me. <laughs> yes, please, Samantha, take it away. Okay, so we have two more. And the first one is a wanted. On February 27th, 1978 in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, in a parked car on a remote road, Robert Stack says that the 16-year-old Roxanne Woodson fought off the advances of a man named Joe Shepard. He was assaulting her. Yeah, he's a rapist. Yeah, and his friends were in the backseat just watching for some reason. So all of them suck. I wrote friends in quotes. Well, there were no friends to Roxanne. That's for sure. Yeah. Seriously. Roxanne escaped. She fought him off and ran into the woods, but he chased her and she never returned. She disappeared. Roxanne. Yeah, they interview Roxanne's grandmother. I just wanted to mention whose name was Dorcas. Yeah, she was adorable. Dorcas, she was so cute. She was another, in last week's episode, there was a super stereotypical Mm -hmm. old lady, and she was another one. Oh, Dorcas, I want to give you a hug. Oh, man, her little, her the dress she was wearing with the big... I mean, Puffy. I'm assuming that's her best dress, and she put yeah. it on to be on TV. I felt really bad for her, because she was really missing her daughter, or her granddaughter, I mean. That was heartbreaking. But yeah, the night after Roxanne disappeared, the police went to Joe's mother's house to um, take him in for questioning. They waited for him to go into his room and put his shoes on, but instead he grabbed a shotgun and pointed it at the officers. Um, one of the officers fired two, they called them warning shots. I think they just he just missed and he was he, like, oh, yeah, I was I was warning him. There's some white privilege right there. You, <laughs> you are being arrested. You grab a shotgun and fire it at police officers. And there's like, that was just to warn us. No, he is just not that great of a shot. No, he, yeah, he missed. And yeah. He was like, oh, I was just warning him. But anyway, they get they get the gun away from him and bring <laughs> him in. According to the former district attorney, Joe's first story was that he had attempted to seduce Roxanne, but she got mad at his quote-unquote persistent efforts. So she jumped from the car and ran into the woods. He said that he ran after her, but she was just too fast, and he couldn't catch up with her. 
And then it's just a coincidence that no one ever saw her again. Yeah, total coincidence. Yeah, that makes that believable. So they were pretty suspicious of him, but they had no reason to keep him there. So they booked him for assaulting a police officer, but he made bond and was released. And then for several days, over 60 people combed through the woods searching for Roxanne. They used dogs and the dogs would catch her scent where the car was, follow it into the woods and it would abruptly disappear. Oh, the other thing is that Joe voluntarily participated in the search. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, you know how the story is going. Anyway, she had completely vanished until April 8th, 1978, when Joe's mother was looking out the window into their yard, which was full of garbage. And in one particular garbage (laughs) pile, there were some dogs digging. And they gave us a lovely, like, from below shot of these dogs. And they had giant testicles. It was super awkward. Neuter your dogs. Oh, my God. Spay and neuter your pets, you guys. I was like, (laughs) oh. It wasn't really a ne- necessary to get that shot, but whatever. <laughs> so she ran outside, and when she walked up on the dogs who were digging around, she saw two hands sticking out from the ground. Yeah. Yeah, it was, she was, it was underneath a tire, I found out later. Okay. She called the authorities who came over and removed the body of Roxanne Woodson. She had been buried in a shallow grave, covered up with a tire and some other garbage, some of her clothes were missing and her pants were wrapped around her head. So at that point, they get a warrant to arrest Joe Shepard. As I would hope they would. For first degree murder, yep. They went to his ex-mother-in-law's house where they found him hiding, rolled up in some blankets at the foot of a child's bed. Not a good hiding spot. <laughs> like, I mean, what? This sounds like some if you're Three five. Stooges shit. He was like, he's like, I'm going to roll up in a blanket. And They'll hide. never see me. Yeah. It's like when a kid just covers their eyes and is like, I, you can, I can't see you. You can't see so me. So I'm, I'm obviously disappeared. Yeah. He's not the brightest. During his second interrogation, his story changed. Now he claimed that as he was chasing her through the woods, Roxanne tripped and hit her head on a rock. Joe told investigators that in his panic, he went back to his friends and was like, I couldn't find her, so they left. But then later that night, he returned to the scene. Not sure if she was dead or alive, he carried her out of the woods, put her in the trunk of his car, and then he, like, had bad experiences with the police, so he was too afraid to go to them, so then he buried her in his mom's front yard. I mean... This was his story. I've often found when I don't know if people are dead or alive that I just bury them. (laughs) Because you know? it's better safe than sorry. What? That's the worst <laughs> story made ever. up story. It was pretty terrible. Guy, did you even think about it for five seconds? No. Well, I mean, I'm is... glad he didn't because he's guilty as hell and we hate Joe. Yep, we do. Joe's the worst. So uh, they did not buy his story and he was charged with first degree murder. Thank Christ. And then, as they're investigating further, one of them received an anonymous call from someone who claimed that Joe had been involved in the death of another young girl, um, a local 14-year-old named Kathy Clowers, who had vanished two years earlier. And then they questioned Joe, and apparently he had become buddies or something with them and learned to trust the investigators. So they asked him about Kathy, and he quickly started to cooperate. He didn't admit to killing her, but he said that he knew where she was buried and agreed to take them to her grave. So sure enough, they found the body just where Joe said that it was. And apparently when they dug up her body, first of all, the other thing I want to say is in this reenactment, they were like hacking at the ground with a pickaxe. That's not how you would dig for a body. I hope not. Like over their heads, swinging this pickaxe at the ground. I'm like, damage evidence. Yeah, I don't. It was weird. 
So anyway, that's Samantha, what... we need to take the law into our own hands. Clearly, <laughs> these guys don't know what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, what? But they said when they found her body, Joe kind of like crouched next to it and like smiled creepily up at them, like he was proud to have yeah. shown shown them. This guy is a super creep. But she I just was... wrote down he is trash. Yeah, garbage. <laughs> Um, she was found similarly missing clothes and she had her pants wrapped around her head. What's that too. about? I, well, so what Unsolved Mysteries didn't mention and I found out doing some additional research was that he raped both of them. I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised. So I guess. He's a garbage human being. Yeah. So, but she was so decomposed. It kind of sounded like she was mostly bones, but they <sighs> somehow identified that it was her and it's pretty sad. He... I think when he was waiting trial, I, yes, actually, I wrote that down. So in, jail prison. Yeah. He was in jail. He prison was in jail prison with the bars. On July seventeenth, nineteen seventy-eight, while waiting trial for the double homicide, he escaped from Bradley County Jail with two other inmates. What they did, he was in a cell alone, and then the other two were in a cell together. And the other two called a guard over and lured him into the cell by pretending that the other one was sick. They locked the door behind him, unlocked Joe's cell, and just, like, ran out. Apparently there was only one guard at this jail. What? Okay. I mean, I don't it must know. have been a small jail. I think so. It did seem some, like something out of a cartoon. They were like, here. <laughs> one of them puts his on a dress and pretends to be, like, a really sexy lady. And is like, why, <laughs> well, hello? Could I have those keys, mister? So that's where Unsolved Mysteries came in to try and catch this guy. Because they caught the other two within, like, a week, and Joe disappeared. Which is strange, because Joe is... Not smart. A bumbling idiot. Yeah. Somehow he made it all the way to London, Ontario, Canada. This was the update. He They found him. He didn't even change his first name. He was still going by Joe. And he was living with a common law wife and two children. He would, It's like when Tony Danza or Charlie Sheen is called like Charlie in a sitcom <laughs> because they wouldn't understand someone was talking to them if their character had a different name. You know what I mean? It was like... He was like, I gotta go by Joe. If people start calling me Sam, I'm gonna get so confused. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, they think that he was in in Canada within days of his escape, and that's how they couldn't find him. That's not fair. We all want to go to Canada, Joe. You can't just murder people and show up. I'm assuming he hitchhiked. Somehow he made it from Alabama to Canada in a couple days. Hmm. But yeah, he was convicted of killing Kathy and Roxanne and died in prison. Yeah, I wrote down good. Yeah. I tried to do some additional research just to see if there was anything else that Unsolved Mysteries didn't include. And one of the things was, like, obviously he had raped both of them. But they also mentioned somewhere that most of the evidence, because there wasn't a lot of physical evidence other than they found her body in his mom's yard. Great, great son. A lot of the state's case rested on witnesses, because not surprisingly, these weren't the first women he assaulted. Um, mm-hmm. One of them was a young girl who he had, he had raped, and she testified oh, at his trial and helped put him away. Huh, well, that's good. Yeah, so he was a what giant dirtbag. Terrible friends. Oh my god, they weren't mentioned again. Ugh, I hope they testified against uh, him. Who? Uh, what awful people. Yeah, just a lot of. I don't know. They're not allowed to listen to this podcast. <laughs> They're forbidden. <laughs> this isn't for you, Joe's friends. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sad one. It is a sad one, but it's nice that they caught him and he got justice for. Yeah. for what he did and yeah. then died in prison so why do you think he buried Roxanne in his mom's yard I think he was just an idiot in a shallow grave surely he knew that would be found but he was like this tire is permanent no one will ever lift it up <laughs> certainly not these unneutered dogs Who roaming around. around this garbage I really heap. think he was just a moron yeah he actually seemed extremely dumb yeah I'm surprised Canada didn't just kick him out <laughs> like we don't want you 
Not, be, not even because they knew I don't think they were criminal. sad to see him go. They were just like, we just don't really It was like apparently you. a big deal in London, Ontario, where they found him. Like, people oh, were sure. scared. They were like, I can't believe the serial killer has been living in our town for all these years. And yeah, it really, I think, shook up that town. Because, yeah, there was some, I, there was he, a lot of news stories. He got himself like a smart there. haircut. He had a mustache, but is not eligible. For MVM? No, absolutely, absolutely not. No. He's and, gross. Um, yeah, he found another woman and had two kids. Could you imagine someone just marching into your house and being like, Mac killed a bunch of people? No. <laughs> no, I can't I either. Guess what? Guess what? No, I, I'm trying to imagine it right now. But like how crazy That's that would be to find out that the person you were with and had kids with what, had this horrible second. Kids. Yeah. Ugh. Well, yeah. glad Joe's dead. Do you want to hear a story that's not going to brighten your day? Okay, the next here's the one. thing. When I realized that this case, this next case was in this episode, I honestly had to stop the episode and kind of like brace myself. Yeah, so listeners I, should brace themselves right I now. I did not want, honestly, I did not want to rewatch this one because it's so depressing. I where I was like, oh, this case, yeah. I'm going to watch some YouTube videos to cheer myself up a little bit. And yeah. then I'm going to... Yeah, I don't know. Hang in there, folks, because we do this new segment at the end of the episode where we give recommendations, and I'm going to give you a recommendation that you can go to, like, cleanse your palate. Okay, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's what I thought I would do this time, because this is one of the more depressing things that Unsolved Mysteries... I don't like this one. It's interesting. It's just... I'm going to let Lenny Briscoe get himself situated here. Yeah, what are you doing, Lenny? He, like, curled around the table leg and is using the curtain for a pillow. Oh, okay. He's, yeah. set. He's settled now, so he does that. let's get into it. <laughs> All right. Third case, perhaps one of the most depressing oh, Unsolved Mysteries so, cases. So, Wiscasset, Maine, which Robert Stack describes as a picturesque town. There's only 3,000 people living there. It was Maine pretty is small. really pretty. Mm-hmm. It was popular with vacationers. Gail Delano, however, who lived in Wiscasset, was not happy there. She wrote in her diary that Maine seems to bring out the worst in me. I oh, she also wrote, I don't see an end to my loneliness. It just mm. seems to go on forever. I need someone desperately, but nothing seems to work. So that sets the stage for where we're going here. <laughs> it doesn't get better, folks. It does not. I'm sorry. Gail had been divorced twice. She was the mother of two teenage boys, and she often looked through the personal ads in the newspaper. She also sent in ads where she described herself as a unique female, attractive, trim, intelligent, affectionate, independent, slightly crazy night owl is how she described herself. I would never respond to a personal ad where the person described themselves as slightly crazy. Yeah, because that means that person is extremely crazy. <laughs> right. If they think it's, oh, I'm, sli-. if you said quirky, sure. Slightly crazy. Yeah, but what we'll find out about Gail Red is flag. that she's pretty much the opposite of all of these. Well, <laughs> I'm, she was attractive, intelligent, and fe- affectionate, certainly. But I think when she describes herself as slightly crazy, she's trying to make herself seem more outgoing than she actually yeah. was in real life. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not well, how I would describe myself, but I think I understand what Gail was getting I, at. That's how I describe you. Well, that's how other people describe me. But. <laughs> Um, They place a lot of emphasis on her desperate need to find love. I think she was, here's the thing, she was extremely depressed. And I think she was looking for anything that would cheer her up, alleviate the depression she was suffering from. I don't know that it was so much relationship based. And she was in this tiny town, there probably wasn't much to do. 
So she sent in personal ads looking for, you know, someone to fill that void. And when in reality, she was just suffering from a, a deep depression. Yeah. So it's let's... It's sad but common story. Yeah, it is. So here's what happened. On Friday, June 20th, 1986, Gail is at home with her sons who say that she had a two and a half hour phone conversation with a man named John, whom they assumed their mother had met through the personal ads. The next morning, which was Saturday, she told them that she planned on having coffee with John later that day, and if things went well, she was hoping to spend the afternoon with him. That night, her 13-year-old son Ryan came home from a friend's house to find that his mother was not there. When she didn't come home again the next night, which we're now on Sunday, the family called the police. It had been 37 hours since she went missing. The police went to the parking lot of the cafe where Gail had said that she was meeting John, and they found her car. But the detective said that there was no indication of foul play. Um, The detective they interviewed said that she was an adult woman who had gone out and spent the night with some man. It's been 37 hours. 37 hours. That is not spending the night with some guy. That's disappearing. Without, Without telling her children. Yeah. And her family insisted that that was not like her at all. She would always call and tell her sons where she was and when they should expect her to to be home. She always checked up on them to make sure that they were okay. It was not like her. Even if she would spend the night with someone, she would tell them and she would be home. She's not going to let her her children come home to an empty house and no explanation. Right. Yeah. So Gail's father insists that she was always very careful to let her children know where she was and that she would never just leave for days at a time. But they still had to wait until 11 a.m. Monday morning to have her officially declared a missing person. That's such bullshit. I know. And then only then did the police search her car. They looked for a note for some reason. Like, that's how she would communicate. Her plan would be a note I in mean, the I'm car. I mean, I'm not going to call the house. I'm not going to leave a note at the house. I'm going to assume that they'll find my car and the note that I put inside it. Typical. Typical women. Apparently they just opened the car and like looked around. There's like there's no note, so I guess nothing suspicious happened. Well, and we'll they never, just towed the car. We'll never solve this case. I'm like, seriously? So but so then they interviewed her mom, who I like this. She said Gail would typically tell her before going on a date with someone the name of the man and where he was from. Which is yep. very smart. Do that, please. Yeah, you should do that now. If you're meeting up with someone on Tinder, tell someone who they are and where you're going. Yep. So that was really smart, but so here's the thing. If you need to tell me and Samantha, call yeah, yeah, do it. Send us a DM on Instagram, <laughs> please. Yeah, we'll watch your back. <laughs> so here's the thing that should raise a red flag. Gail talked to her mom earlier in the day on Saturday before her date and told her mom that she maybe was thinking about going on a date, but she never said his name or where he was from. Yeah, that should tell you that something weird is going on, something out of the ordinary. Two hours after the police removed Gail's car from the parking lot of the restaurant, a busboy found her keys lying on the ground where the car had been. Great, so, great police work. Yeah, they didn't really look around. No. They like, there's no note. All right. So there's she must no have just left note. willingly. Uh, look, your mom didn't call me and tell me where she was going, so there's no way I can solve this case. Uh, the keys were literally on the ground under the car, and they didn't find them. Yeah, they didn't even bother to look under the car. I wanted to slap that guy that was like, ooh, this is a woman out on the town. I was like... There's more. I know. (laughs) Well, first of all, Gail's mother was certain that this meant foul play, that it was extremely unlike Gail to just leave her car. She said someone must have taken her car and then her keys on the ground. Yeah. Who would do that? Two weeks after that, another boy found Gail's purse in some bushes at the restaurant. So clearly the police didn't bother to even look around. None of this would be found if it wasn't for bored children brought to restaurants (laughs) with their families. Yeah, basically. Thanks, 
bored boys of Maine. The other stupid thing is the police said the purse appeared to be neat and orderly, so obviously it hadn't been rifled through, but there was no money in it. So the purse has to be rifled through visibly for there to have been a robbery. There was no money in her wallet. Okay. Wouldn't that indicate that someone took it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I could be a better police officer than these idiots. Well, yes, for sure. So anyway, the detectives at this point finally decided to compile a list of men that Gail had talked to or seen in the last year. There's an idea. Here's another thing she did. She kept detailed records of everyone who responded to her ads and everyone she talked to. She had a calendar where she would write down the day she talked to them, who they were, and how long she talked to them. A little weird, but maybe a good idea. I mean, maybe if you're meeting a lot of random guys. Yeah. She apparently had written down that she talked to a John for two and a half hours, but there was no record of him in her files that she kept on the men that responded to her personal ads. They call in this John guy for questioning, so he must have existed, but he said that they had never dated, and the last time he talked to her was months before she disappeared. He had a really good mustache. Oh. Did you notice his mustache? I I thought he could be a good MVM. Hmm, okay. It was very bushy, is what (laughs) I remember it. Very, Liz, it was very bushy. You yeah. should remember. Uh, <laughs> well, they all have really bushy mustaches. There was like a line. They show in the reenactment him walking out of the interrogation room and there was like a line of guys waiting to go in. It seemed really dumb and stereotypical. You have to put that on Instagram. Yeah, there was, and a lot of those guys had mustaches. So any of them could be MBM too. <sighs> those were the days. If you loved a mustache. <laughs> The glory days of the mustaches. Glory days. So then a new theory surfaced when police interviewed a late night disc jockey who went by the name Wiggy. Yeah, I didn't like that dude. Apparently, Gail would frequently call into the radio station late at night. It wasn't clear to me if she was calling in to talk on the air or just to talk to him because he was just happened to be up at that time. I got the impression it was just to talk to him. I, but I think so, too. That, that was not clear. It wasn't clear to me either. And what also wasn't clear was apparently they talked a lot and she eventually asked if he would like to meet her, but then he never said if he actually did meet her in person. I assume yeah. that he did since she asked and he felt the need to mention it, but... Maybe he was just trying to make himself seem cool. Maybe. It wasn't clear to me what his relationship with her was, but it sounded like she opened up to him more than she did anyone else because she confided in him how very sad and depressed she was to the point, he said, where she sometimes couldn't even move. Now we're starting to get a glimpse into how she really felt and what her real emotional state was. Because in her ads, she she would describe herself exuberantly and then apparently go on a lot of dates. But then she would call him up in the middle of the night and confide how hopeless she felt. Yeah. Yeah. He I didn't like how this guy and maybe they did know each other well. Maybe they were friends. But he was speaking with this real authority about her in a way that I kind of didn't appreciate. Yeah, I considering I didn't really understand their relationship, it and did seem like he bit, had no right really to talk. He just seemed a little bit rude about the situation. He was very flippant. I agree. Yeah, yeah, he was didn't seem like he was taking it as seriously. It's like she's missing. Yeah. You could be a little more sympathetic. I don't know. So from this, they start to formulate a theory that maybe she left to commit suicide. Apparently, she, you know, she had been battling depression for years. She was on medication for it. And several times she had confided in her sister that she had been contemplating suicide. So, yeah, they started to think maybe maybe that was it. Gail's family started distributing missing persons posters via truck drivers who would take them with them and post them in truck stops. A year later, a truck driver recognized Gail's photo on a missing persons poster hanging in a Georgia truck stop. He called the investigators and told them that he had given Gail a ride several months earlier. 
The truck driver described her as a neat type of woman who had that northern accent real bad. (laughs) (laughs) He said she didn't look like the typical hitchhiker, so he remembered her well. He was a funny guy. That's fair. He was a very, like, grizzled old truck driver who was like, I see all kinds of hitchhikers, and this wasn't a normal one. I'm sure, like, a clean-cut mom type is not... The type who picks up rides from hitchhikers. Yeah, so that probably would stand out in your memory. Yeah, so he said that he was absolutely certain that this was Gail. And that made the investigators, of course, start to consider the theory that she just left to start a new life, which they always have this theory. I don't think that happens as often as As Unsolved Unsolved Mysteries would have us believe. believe. I mean, I guess it used to be more common because it was more doable, but there's no reason, there's no evidence of that here except that she got a ride. Yeah. So that's where the story ended. They were trying to find Gail. And the update was that two and a half years later, Gail's body was discovered in a hotel in Mobile, Alabama. A forensic administrator had watched the episode of Unsolved Mysteries and recognized Gail's photo as a woman whose body he had recovered in 1986. The body had remained unidentified in the Mobile, Alabama Forensic Laboratory, um, so they conducted forensic tests and confirmed that it was indeed Gail. She had died of a drug overdose in a hotel. So that's what really happened. I think that in her mind, she thought, if I just disappear then maybe my sons will think that I just, I don't know, started a better life somewhere and it'll be easier There's on no them. There's no way for us to, to be in that frame of mind. I know. I, in a way, it makes me think she just didn't, she knew she was going to commit suicide and she didn't want her sons to find her. Yeah. That's kind of what I suspect. Of course, we can't <sighs> so know for sure. sad. No. There, but it seems to me that she did not seem like the type of, person who it would take a lot of courage for her to hitchhike with a truck driver to a whole nother city and it seems to me like she did it because she thought it would make it easier on her family perhaps yeah it's really depressing it's extremely depressing because before that update you have this hope that maybe she's out there maybe she's out there or maybe the update is yeah everything worked out in the end somehow they found some unsolved mysteries a lot of times, like, to to pose this theory, like, perhaps they have amnesia and they don't even know. And they, oh, yeah, her mom said that she thinks maybe she was just wandering around out there somewhere, not yeah. knowing who she is or where she is. And I'm like, but why? How would she get to that that point? It's I mean, I like, understand you have to grasp best, at any hope you can. Yeah, you it's the can? best possible outcome. Like, that's the only way that she could be fine and not call home. Yeah. It's the dark. That's a dark one. It was really dark. The update was surprising to me. Um, It was surprising to me that they, you know, and she was found really soon after she disappeared and she had just been sitting for two years and, you know, they kept her body. I'm glad that guy recognized her on Unsolved Mysteries. It's kind of amazing that he did. Clearly, unlike the cops investigating, that guy takes his job seriously. Yeah, because he remembered her face. From two years previously. And it's nice that that mattered to him, that this unknown person this Jane Doe that they had at the morgue, identifying that body was clearly important to him. So I appreciate that. The cops that investigated this case are a bunch of fuckers. (laughs) I don't don't appreciate them at all. No, they did a terrible job. They did nothing. If I'm gone for 37 hours, please do not make my family wait till the next day to officially start looking for me. And then when you are officially supposedly looking for me, could you actually look look around where my (laughs) car is? Like... 
That is really her family is the one that did the most by distributing those flyers. It was smart of them to do it, you know, to give them to truck drivers. Yeah. If you think about a pre-internet age, like how can you get information across the country quickly? That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. And it's smart. And it did give them a lead. Yeah. It's just sad that the story has such a tragic ending. And I don't know. I feel really bad for her kids, but I, I feel horrible for them. They were teenagers and they lost their mom. It's pretty Just sad. wasn't well. No. So hopefully the next episode is the one about the magic rocks that we can have some laughs. Please. Please. <laughs> this one, this one was kind of a downer. Dead. This was hard. This was honestly hard to rewatch. It because was. Because I knew it was going to be. Yeah. I didn't really care about the ghost ship. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you've. If you've been to the Queen Mary and it was really cool, please tell us about it. Yeah. I just don't think the segment was put together very well. No. I do think it's kind of an interesting story, but it was just a little all over the place and very long. Yeah, the Joe Shepard case. Well, let's rate the episode. How about that? Yes. So number one, mysteriousness. How mysterious the ghost ship? The, the ghost ship segment, I'll say, from watching Unsolved Mysteries as a child is more what I remember Unsolved Mysteries being about. And it turns out there's actually a lot more true crime elements. I just don't think that captured my childhood imagination as mm-hmm. much as the idea of a haunted ship. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's mysterious. Um, the second case, not mysterious, not at, mysterious all. at all. The last one, I think, was pretty mysterious. It was mysterious until you get the update. And, and then, then I was very obvious. surprised by the update, actually. Because as someone that watches a lot of forensic files... The fact that they found finding all her. these creepers, you know, like she was like, oh, she went on this date and then was never seen again. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, some dude killed her, right? That's the obvious this conclusion. Joe, yeah. I, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll give it a thumbs up for Mysterious. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. I'll give it a hesitant thumbs up. Yeah, a slight thumbs up. <laughs> Reenactments. What did you think of the reenactments? All right, the ones for the ghost ship are so silly. I The old lady, like, about to jump. Oh, my goodness. The head one. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a thumbs up for that one. And also the mom, even though the dog balls were really <laughs> gross and uncomfortable, the mom finding the body was, was that really kind the mom, of hilarious. Do I don't. God, she, I hope not. Did she have to reenact finding? I don't think it was. Hurts. But it was funny because she, like, went out there and poked around. And then she was like, Lois! Lois! <laughs> I'm I'm assuming it was her husband. She she runs. That was pretty funny. Um, Um, So I'm giving it a thumbs up because they were so so corny that I enjoyed them. Okay. That's how I I judge that category. I would agree with that. What's the next category? Fashion. Oh, there was some good fashion in this one. Yes, I agree. Um, the old lady's dress, which we mentioned, with like the puffy—it's almost like a bridesmaid's dress or something. It's it was like, like a, it looked like sleeve. a full-size baby baptismal gown. Yeah, you uh-huh. know, yeah, exactly what it looked like. I'm just assuming it's her best dress, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, that really stands out in my mind. There was mind. some good like makeup. You know, there was like the blue eyeshadow. Sure, and... you got to do the blue eyeshadow. Yep. I enjoyed those. Some good mustaches. Yeah, okay. Thumbs up for that. Yeah. Who do you think gets MVM? I'm trying to remember. I the, don't know. The Joe. I feel like you sent me one. The one, the one I sent you was from an episode in season three. Oh. It was oh. the season premiere of season three. Well, never mind then. I can mention it, though, because it's so funny. He had this super bushy mustache, and then he shaved his beard in such a way that he had mutton chops that like yes. came down in a straight line. Connecting with the corners of his mustache. Is there a word for that type of facial hair? We should look it up. Five listeners. Mustache connected to mutton chops. Is there is that is there a term it was for that? So 
funny. It was so stark. The line was just completely straight. He worked hard on that look. Oh, I'm sure. He has to update that every day. I saw day. it and I immediately, I was watching it with Travis and I immediately like hit his arm in my frantic like <laughs> haste to pause the episode so I could take a picture and send it to you. He just <laughs> rolled his eyes. But it was, it was pretty gonna funny. He's going to love that, you, that Queen Mary honeymoon. <laughs> you have, so you have that episode of season three to look forward I do. to. I do. I am looking forward to There weren't to mustaches as good as that one in this one, so I'll have to look back and post yeah. it. Post an MVM to, to that'll Instagram. That'll be decided on Instagram. That won't be decided here and now. Yeah, because most things we can't remember. <laughs> Category, oh, so did we give that a thumbs up? Or some, I'm just kind of thumbs sideways on that sideways. one. Yeah, Robert Stack's outfits. I have written down, Robert Stack looks like a boring banker in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so, he did. Although he did have down. The, did he bring back the khaki trench coat in this one for maybe. the Queen Mary segment? I can't I remember. Maybe. This Most is, I watched too much wearing... Unsolved Mysteries, so his outfits kind of blur together. Because I'm, now I'm thinking of an episode Travis and I watched last mm-hmm. night where he's in the khaki trench coat on, like, I don't know, this open field, and there's, like, a, obviously a fog machine going behind him. No, that wasn't this one. And I'm, like, just waiting for the headlights to shine <laughs> behind him. But He just wore sort of, like, a boring grace. No. Yeah, I, I think don't, I was kind of I was kind of bored. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Um, so how do we rate this episode as a whole? We can rate up to five Robert Stacks or as few as zero. I'm, like, two Robert Stacks in this I one. I was going to say, I'm going to give it two. Because... There was not many things to lift. It went from a boring episode about a ghost ship to two super depressing segments. I... Honestly, didn't want to rewatch it, and I probably will never watch it again. Oh, I'm never watching this one again. <laughs> so I'm two Robert so, Stacks. So two Robert Stacks. I, yeah, I don't. It wasn't my least favorite, but it's no. You know. It just wasn't very good. No. Don't rush out and see this one, folks. Would you rather watch this episode or an episode about treasure? I definitely want to watch treasure. <laughs> I, I'm not even. Yet. I am there with that one. I would. Would rather I watch rather treasure. watch this episode or an entire episode about something about the war? Uh, this episode. So, would you rather watch this episode or an episode of American Pickers? Oh, American Pickers. I hate that show. Really? <laughs> I think it's so boring. Travis loves it, and I won't watch it with him. That's fascinating. Just picking through people's garbage. No, but see, I love picking through people's garbage. <laughs> I love estate sales. I love thrift stores. I would love to do that myself, but watching other people do it, just not a fan. No, I can do it. <laughs> My problem with that show... Okay, no, we're not going to have a long conversation. <laughs> Never Maybe mind. Next time. Never mind. So, yeah, we're kind of iffy about this one. Do you want to give our your recommendation? So this is the new segment we came up with last time where yes. we, give, we give a recommendation of something we're enjoying lately. My recommendation, I'm not even sure exactly how to phrase this, but my recommendation is for a coven. Is for <laughs> a... Of course it is. Of course it is. So there is a political action group in Portland called W-I-T-C-H. It is the Does that stand for something? I think it just stands for witch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something else. It is the resurgence of a group that existed in the 70s. It's, it's come back. They have covens in different cities. They're oh, a, is there one in Minneapolis? Not to my knowledge. Are you going to start the Minneapolis chapter? Well, I'll say right now they're anonymous. Oh, so okay. even if I was in it, you couldn't, couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, okay. But sadly, I'm not. This is the reason I couldn't be in this group, because I would have you to You would tell, tell everyone. Everyone. <laughs> so this wouldn't work for me. But they are political activists that go to protests dressed in, like, witch hats and all black. <laughs> they wear black veils over their yes. faces, so you don't know who they are. And they have protest signs um, relating to different issues, but they're always 
black and then the letters are in white. They have an amazing, I guess my recommendation is their Instagram. If you follow Witch PDX, it is the coven that is in Portland, which seems to be, I'm not sure if it was the first one, but it seems like a very active one. There's also one in Boston. It's my absolute favorite Instagram. I love seeing their photos of them in witch garb. Do they have funny signs or? Yes. No, they're funny. There was one um, where they're holding up a like fake spine, like from a fake skeleton. (laughs) And they're holding, and they're like, Paul Ryan, are you missing something? It's stuff like that. There is a like comical uh, side to it, but I think it's also provocative and it makes you sort of think about like feminism and women's power and stuff like that. Um, they have a free zine on their website that I downloaded. I, I make zines. I like zines. So that, I guess, is also my recommendation. Um, I can read you a little bit. Oh, please do. About what the group is. Yes, I'd love so, to hear it. It says, which is an intersectional feminist activist group working to dismantle white supremacist patriarchy through protest, performance out, and the power of witch. Our anonymous members created this zine. Our multifaceted work reflects the fact that feminism is part of the larger fight against the system of oppression. We believe in making witchcraft and social justice more accessible to everyone. I love it. Regardless of their level of education or familiarity with these concepts, they talk about their values, which all stuff I agree with, anti-racism, anti-fascism, anti-patriarchy, indigenous rights, gender self-determination, women's revelation, liberation trans liberation um they do say that anyone claiming to be part of the group can't be part of the group because they are anonymous okay so that's why it's not going to work out for me um (laughs) i also really like the section about anyone can be a witch that appeals to me immediately because i was like me (laughs) i want to be i want to be a witch that sounds great uh years of eurocentric training not required many Witchcraft traditions are passed down over generations as folk magic, disguised as women's work or old wives' tales, or are just intrinsically a part of us. Claiming your witch identity means claiming (laughs) your power. Hone it, treasure it, use it, be proud of it. Remember they used to hunt and kill us because they feared us, but can never destroy us. I love everything about that. I know. They're my heroes. They seem like the coolest people alive. Oh, yeah, for sure. Last weekend, we watched The Craft, which just brought me right back to my childhood. So you can tell the kind of people that we are. So you can see why this is this week's recommendation. Um, Yeah, follow them on Instagram. See what they're up to. I find it very inspiring. Obviously, I couldn't keep it to myself, so I probably won't be a member. (laughs) But I think they're doing great stuff. Yeah, someone start a Minneapolis chapter. I would love to see that Instagram account. Please, please do. Did you know that actually we are in Minneapolis's witch district right now? I didn't even know Minneapolis had a witch yes, district. we are. No in- wonder this is the house you chose. <laughs> well, this is con- well, I didn't know that until recently, <laughs> but this is considered part of the witch district, which... That's amazing. There is a store nearby that sells things for witches, and then there's also other females run small businesses, so this is... There, people are starting to call this the witch district. I love it. I know. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, yeah, someone start the Minneapolis chapter, get an Instagram account. Please. I already run the, perhaps it's you Instagram and an Instagram for my dog, so I can't, <laughs> I, can't I don't have the time. Samantha's but, busy. Yeah. But someone do it. It seems so cool and so important in these apocalyptic times. Yeah. And just let us know. 
anonymously, crap? you can let us know that you are in the <laughs> we won't Minneapolis out you. coven. Okay, what is your recommendation? So I'm recommending a YouTube channel, Ooh. which a lot of people probably already know about because they have over a million subscribers. I didn't know about it until Travis told me. I'm sure I don't that know. it existed. So unless it's makeup tutorials, and I probably don't know about it. <laughs> unless it's a, a YouTube channel about gardening, I don't know yeah. about it either. So Travis watches this YouTube channel, which is not the recommendation, called Demolition Ranch, which is a guy who blows stuff up and gets a lot of, and like shoots guns. It's stuff that Travis is into. But the man who runs that channel is a veterinarian named Dr. Matt. And he has another channel called Vet Ranch, which is a nonprofit organization where they use donations that people send in. They use that money to pull animals from shelters that are sick or injured because those are the animals that'll get there. It's in Texas and they just don't have the resources. A lot of the shelters down there to deal with this, they have a hard enough time adopting out animals that are perfectly healthy. So these are the animals that would otherwise be euthanized. And they take those animals and with donations, they give them the veterinary care that they need and they document the process on their YouTube channel and you can watch these. The only ones from what I can tell that they publish are the success stories. So every single video is an animal that went from very abused or neglected or injured and they take you along and you get to see how they treat them. And then at the end, they're all healed up and they get adopted to loving homes. It's some of it. OK, you have to have a strong stomach to watch some of the videos because yeah. they do show veterinary procedures. I worked as a veterinary assistant through college at a, hmm. yeah, at a horse vet clinic. And oh. large animal veterinary medicine is not delicate. It's extremely. What? Yeah, it's gory. You see a lot of gross stuff. So this is the kind of things that that doesn't phase me and actually I'm fascinated by. They warn you in the video when graphic things are going to be shown so you can skip ahead if you're not into that. It's fascinating to see how they fix these animals up. It's incredible that you see an animal that's almost dead, that has a horrible affliction, and then you see it at the end and it's like a new animal. I've been binge watching for the last couple of weeks. If you have been listening to too many true crime podcasts about murder and mayhem and death, and you just want to see some puppies Make. get healed and adopted, Aww. Aww. watch Vet Ranch. What a good plan. Subscribe. Cleanser. And the cool thing is because the videos are monetized, If just watching it gives them money. I watch all the ads. I never skip an ad when I'm watching their, yeah. their channel because they get a tiny little cut of that ad revenue from you watching. So, yeah, d- go watch it. It reminds me of a show I used to watch as a kid because I wanted to grow up and be a veterinarian before I discovered I can't do math in my head, which is why I'm a writer and not a veterinarian <laughs> today. But I used to love to watch this show on Animal Planet called Emergency Vet, and it was like the oh, same thing. Yeah. It was a reality show of a vet clinic that animals that were sick and injured got fixed up, and I just love watching it. So go watch some puppies be healed and forget about this horrible episode of Unsolved Mysteries that we just <laughs> read for you. Yeah. I, that's a great suggestion, Samantha. That's a great palate cleanser. It is. Yeah, go watch it. Vet Ranch on YouTube. It's like a little hug that everyone will need if they watch this episode of Unsolved yeah. Mysteries. Do we have anything else? Don't no. forget about our giveaway, folks. Go, that's- yeah, look for the post about this episode on Facebook and Instagram. Share them. Tag your friends on Instagram. You might win an awesome dad joke magnet. You'll love it. I mean, how could you not? I think that's it for this week. That's all we have. Next episode's got to be better. I hope it will be. Dear Lord. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.